a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a run. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expanding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very Expanding reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. This episode, we've got Philip Kinsella. He wrote an awesome book called You, the Public Deceived, the Grand UFO Deception. You guys check out this uh, this interview here. He goes through his own experience. He is an experiencer. Uh, we talk about all kinds of cool stuff. We get into the spiritual elements of it. Of course, you know I can't do an episode without talking about simulated reality. So uh, give this a listen, guys. Uh, Philip is a sweetheart of a guy. He's absolutely wonderful. Links to his book will be in the show notes. And here's the interview. Join with me today, uh, Mr. Philip Kinsella. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. And um, I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Uh, why don't you uh, tell my audience and, and the folks out there listening and watching uh, just a little bit about yourself, my friend. Yes, my name is Philip Kinsella. Uh, I live in England and uh, I've had multiple UFO sightings at close range. There was one episode where there had been what I assumed was an alien abduction back in the winter of 1989. And that led me into the further exploration of what we may be dealing with. I'm also an author and uh, a researcher and uh, very dedicated to my cause of inquiry. And I'm very honored uh, to be linked with a lot of brilliant minds on this planet. Absolutely. It's, it's great to talk with you. I can't wait, like I said, to get into this discussion with you. You also, um, your book is published under uh, Flying Disc Press, which is by Philip Mantle's uh, uh, publishing company, correct? Yes, that's right. And Philip Mantle is a mentor um, and uh, a real great guy. And the book that he's just brought out, a new one of mine called You, the Public Deceived, the Grand UFO Deception, um, which is more of an analysis of different cases, but also summarizing with ther uh, several theoretical pieces or contents that we can explore with regards to the uh, perplexing phenomena that still eludes all of the researchers. Absolutely, it does. And yeah, and I went over uh, your book. Thank you again for sending it to me. It's brilliantly written. It's absolutely beautiful. And it's a lot of fun to read. And you just you cover you cover it all. So uh, you just talk about the crashes, the abduction phenomenon, some entities, uh, some theories and some NDEs as well. I, I'm with you. Uh, I think it all ties in. I think it's all one big phenomena. I think there could be, um, you know, you always leave the open open to the possibility that it could be nuts and bolts craft coming from another star system. Uh, but I the more you look into it, um, the more, and that's, I think that's where everybody starts, right? I mean, you start with, oh, it's a physical ship coming from another place. And then people say, well, it's now it, it's in Zeta Reticuli. And, you know, you've got the Nordics and you've got all these type of physical entities that occupy the same universe as us, just with a technology that's much more advanced than what uh, we're capable of yes. doing or what our governments tell us we're capable of doing. Let's put it that way. Uh, and then, you know, that that's kind of how it is, but it, it becomes much more elusive the more you look at it. There, there are so many facets to it. So let's let's start with what do you what do you think we're up against in this? 
Well, that all started to develop after the abduction I had in 1989. You're certainly right, Brandon, in terms of the physical nuts and bolts construct. I do not dismiss that. I'm open to all forms of speculation. But through my experience, uh, demonstrated clearly that there must be some other elements uh, which we must incorporate into the phenomena. And one of those is how it is that these uh, so-called aliens or greys, for want of a better word, if we just use those because they're the only ones that I've really researched, are able to bring someone through physical matter. Now, back in 1996, um, I you know, kept thinking about this. And I was afforded some information that came in a, a flash or a bolt out of the blue, um, which demonstrated that perhaps we are dealing with something that goes beyond the physical nuts and bolts syndrome into what we would call interdimensional states of reality. Uh, and I think now it's interesting to see for the way that researchers have swayed from the physical nuts and bolts uh, syndrome to this new awareness of consciousness. And this is something that I have been exploring on a very deep level um, to, to try to satisfy my own curiosity of what we may be up against, as it were. Mm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It, it also, uh, in, and like you said, that is where we start. We start with the nuts and bolts. We're fed that through movies, through TV, through comics, through everything like that. But the more you look at it, the more extreme it gets. And it's also to, to that case to where, you know, uh, when people were reported these sightings <clears throat> a long time ago in antiquity, they would, it, it seems that the phenomenon is one step ahead of us technologically to, to appear. Because I think it was the, the Vikings that reported ships, like wooden ships, but they were flying in the air. Now, they could construct actual floating ships that would float on the water, but they couldn't, of course, make them fly. Yes. And they could, they could see that. So it was something that they could grasp intellectually or uh, cosmetically, but they couldn't grasp it on a, on a deeper understanding of how they operated or what, what the phenomena was. And then you move on to, you know, like Ezekiel's wheel. Uh, you've got things, uh, people reporting that, yeah, they're nuts and bolts craft, but now all of a sudden they pop in and out of existence. They, they evolve, and it seems that they evolve just one step beyond what we're able to grasp. What do, you, what do you think that has to do with? Why do you think that evolution is necessary, if it is necessary at all, or why it occurred in that order? I kind of like lost the thread because I was talking and then I thought perhaps maybe you come back on and then of course my mind starts to go and I thought oh my god but never mind let me start again let me try I realized the question you asked which was about the morphing of the phenomena that's it um, start there yeah okay so um action so <laughs> <laughs> dear god <laughs> uh, that's okay. Well, Here, actually, let's do this. Let's just tell our audience what happened. So, what happened? We were just we were just on this call, and you're, of course, in the UK. We're halfway around the world from each other, and yes. um, you know, I'm in the country, so I've got kind of dodgy internet. I actually went ahead and upgraded it. We just got our system upgraded on Friday, uh, just right before this, um, for uh, things like this, so that we could avoid stuff like this in the future. So, it actually cut off mid you having an epiphany and and i sent you an email saying well i think somebody doesn't want us talking about this and that's why you got the boot so uh let's let's start back from um explaining what the morphing of the phenomena is and we'll see if um we get too close to anything and they kick us out again yeah so our understanding is that when we become aware of the phenomena it becomes aware of you and i've always understood 
that perhaps we're dealing with something that integrates on a very personal level of the psyche. I think a lot of researchers are trying to cram this into one box and it just won't fit. And this is why we're getting a lot of reports with regards to the differences in the experiences the individual has. However, through my ongoing research of the greys, as they are known or called, because they were the ones that I had experienced back in the winter of 1989, led me into a whole new dimension or an area of thought with regards to them. And this is what jolted me into understanding that the phenomena has morphed. Back in the 1950s and the 60s, there are a lot of accounts, uh, some of them that I believe were absolutely true. For instance, the Betty and Barney Hill case. Um, where they had the physical interaction and then the second part of the experience appeared to integrate on a very you know, deep subconscious level of experience. And these came through in what, what was known as dream states. Um, so there are, there are definitely, through my understanding, two aspects to the phenomena, but it has morphed because in the old days we were dealing with ghost rockets um, and then you know the flying saucers, then the triangles, um, and now we're seeing some crafts of very odd shape and design. So I believe that the intelligence behind it does not want us to fully integrate with that consciousness, whatever consciousness that is, or those beings as they are known as. Um, and I think it's very interesting because from my perspective, from my understanding of what's going on, is that it's a clear indication that people are talking about, you know, disclosure. But I don't think that this intelligence wants to disclose itself to us. It's almost as if we're chasing shadows, uh, certainly where the greys are concerned, because they're like spectres, and uh, certainly not the you know, benign intelligence that we will expect uh, from, in a, you know, from another world or another realm or dimension or whatever you want to call it. So these are puzzling facets indeed. Have you, have you seen in, in China when they clean out panda cages, and what they do is they put on panda suits and so they mimic the animal and then they walk into their environment as to either appear as one of them. Uh, Native Americans used to do this. You know, you've seen the pictures where they're dressed as a wolf or something and, and slunk down and become part of a pack. It almost seems like that's what it is because clearly they're not trying to hide in the sense that they're everywhere. We People have reported them since the beginning of time. But it does seem like they camouflage themselves in a way and maybe their panda suit is a psychological panda suit, right? Maybe it's something that um, is... It, it's to the form to where they want us to see, but they don't want us to understand. Like those pandas know that there's somebody there, you know, and the new panda just hopped in, but they, they don't know that there's a human being under that with a story that drove a car there, and they don't understand all the elements to it. It almost seems like that, that that's maybe uh, what, what's going on with this, and that's why it's one step out of our understanding or our realization. Yes, and a clear indication also that those entities don't really want anything to do with us. They want to take what they need from us, and then they disappear. They take off until they come back again. And I believe also that um, understanding the phenomena, the complex uh, process of the abduction, certainly grabbed my attention um, because I was always curious as to how they did it, what the greys were, where they come from, why they're doing what they're doing. And to me, it seems suspect that we have a an intelligence that appeared... A clone, like clones that themselves cannot reproduce. And one of the questions I wanted to ask was, why would a species that cannot replicate, you know, be interested in reproduction? And this is where a lot of the questions began to formulate within my mind about what are we dealing with? Um, the other 
part to this. It's very complex. But I always say to people, before we ask any questions about the greys or the aliens, we have to take into consideration about what we are. Um, what we represent. And this is a, an area that most people feel very uncomfortable to address because when we're dealing with elements of the paranormal, most notably the UFO phenomenon and also the grace and the abduction process, we have to take into account of why they are doing what they're doing and, and form some speculations around that. Uh, you know, that's, that's important, I believe. Well, the good news is you're on the right show. Uh, this called this <laughs> show is. I recently had a guest on, and I'd say this is not this show is not. This is what aliens are about. It's called expanding reality. So what we like to do here is speculate wildly. And the what if game, I love the hell out of that, man. So we can definitely do that. You're you're in a safe place here, Philip. So we we feel free to do that. Yeah. So you know when I um, began to investigate the uh, greys, as it as they're known, as it were. Um, I wondered how it was that I was able to be forcibly removed through solid matter. And the abduction itself is a very long-winded uh, experience. So it's going to take a long time to explain all that. But it has been documented, and it's not unique in any, any means of the word. It's, you know, a lot of people go through this. But I wondered how it was they're able to transform a part of you to them. And I, I kind of like looked at the near-death experience. And if we take this one step further... Um, this is what led me into areas of consciousness, of the soul, very uncomfortable areas that we need to address, and what we represent as humans. And my understanding was that, you know, if we were some form of cosmic accident, um, you know, that we had evolved by primarily uh, from some, you know, big mistake, as it were, or I, I didn't buy it. Because uh, the way I saw it was that as humans, uh, my understanding is that we come through into this incarnation, we build memories and experiences, and when our time is up, we perhaps could take those experiences back to the source or the, uh, the field of where we originally came from. And perhaps if we take it one step further to expand upon the process of creation, as it were. Now, I know most people are dead against, I'm sorry to use that pun, uh, life after death. But, but my understanding was that it was cru crucial to the research um, because, you know, it's all very well as looking into the area of the UFO phenomenon, but not really addressing, uh, you know, our primary roots and what we represent. So this led me into a completely different area of research with regards to soul survival, life after death, and, you know, those on the other side, as we call it. And then I found a shocking connection between what people call the near-death experience and also the abduction. One is, in a lot of occasions, more positive. The abductions appear, in many cases, quite negative. Yeah, terrifying. So if we look at this... Um, systematically, we find that in the cases of an NDE where someone has clinically died and they report being removed from their body, they journey towards another world where they are met with loved ones who communicate with them telepathically. What's also interesting is that if the person um, going through the NDE has been in some state of uh, terminal illness or any form of illnesses whatsoever, when they return back from the other side, 
in a lot of cases, they are healed. It's almost as if the vibration energy of the astral body has been corrected within its filled frequency and is brought back into the physical host, which does all of this, you know, repairing on a physical level. There is also a sense of timelessness from the NDE and, uh, and, and also a complete transformation of the way they view their life. Now, I know that there are some people go through some bad experiences. I understand that. But the majority of them go through, you know, quite wonderful life transforming, you know, experiences. Now, if we look at the abduction, to my mind, the same thing seems to be occurring, but on a different level of, of integration. The person is normally removed from the, uh, you know, the house or wherever. They go through walls or doors. Uh, they're brought into an environment that doesn't seem to have any time. The greys communicate via telepathy, and whatever the greys are able to do to the part of you that's in their realm, that's probably the astral part that's been removed into their vibration of reality. It's, it's real to them, the same as in the death experience, because the realms there are more real than here. And of course, whatever they do to the body will affect its physical counterpart, because there's still a connection to a degree. So... I was more curious to find out, well, if the greys are from another planet, if we take another example, Betty and Barney Hill, just one example, um, you know, they had an amazing experience in New Hampshire back in the very early 60s. And um, one of the things that was interesting was that the greys that had um, examined Betty had showed her a star map, the famous star map, uh, that had been created by Dr. Marjorie Fish. Um, after many years of extensive uh, building and uh, creating this, uh, this map. And it appeared that the greys that Betty and Barney had encountered had come from the planet Zeta Reticuli. Now, what's interesting to note is that I would very much doubt that a group of greys would travel all the way from Zeta Reticuli to, uh, to, to you know, kidnap and examine a, a, a lovely couple and then go back again. So... Obviously, dealing with uh, the UFO phenomena I then started to uh, reveal that there are a lot of very odd inconsistencies uh, that we're, we're not really asking. And, and I believe that perhaps the phenomena does come in on a physical level and then it ends up becoming or morphing itself deep within the human psyche on a very personal level. If you take the mobile phone, for instance, randomly here, I'm just going to say this, you've got the mobile phone, you've got the hardware, think of that here as the organic brain, and you've got the signals coming into it that are unique to you. Well, most of them are. The mobile phone is a transmitter and a receiver, and um, where you can damage the hardware, but the software will not be uh, damaged at all. Uh, the software will return to source or find another connection with which to link with. So are these greys, whatever they are, somehow connecting on a higher frequency of awareness that we, our senses can't always detect, and interlinking, interlinking with us on this level. Uh, a lot, the same with a lot of paranormal activity that, that does occur during and after an abduction. So, you know, I'm not discounting the fact that we may be dealing with spacemen or some of them. I will not discount the fact that they could be us from the future or that they're clone robots. Um, or that they could be remote viewers that have tried to find a way through to our realm. I, I am open to all forms of speculation. But when you start to analyze the abduction itself, we begin to see patterns. And those patterns clearly indicate that there is something that is occurring. Uh, but I think that most people will be horrified 
uh, if they uh, discovered that these greys could come at any time, uh, take you, uh, examine you, and forcibly induce amnesia, and then return you, and leaving implants or marks. Um, and I believe also that uh, the, the, the areas of where the person is not able to remember or recall the experience is because, unlike a near-death experience, the greys implement some kind of psychic link. They want the ind individual to be conscious throughout the experience. And I think that's important to them because they need to have the connection or the psychic connection so they can download the fears or the information that they demand. Because if you look at the greys, they come across as like a blank canvas. Uh, they don't understand about love, of taste, of smell, of empathy. They're devoid of these attributes. So what if we are dealing with a species that has counseled itself out through the act of replication, you know, through cloning. And I think that this is where my idea um, of, you know, cloning whole humans has to be brought into question. Because as spiritual beings, if I dare use that word uh, very loosely, as souls, um, you yourself, Brendan, have come through the connect correct um, birthing channel. We are clones, but we're different in terms of clones because we have individual identity. So when you're born, you come into the world, you build all these wonderful memories and experiences. Well, I hope most of them are wonderful. And when you depart this plane, which I hope isn't for a very long time, <laughs> when you return back to the other side, you will then you know, build upon the experiences of what all those other billions of souls have gone through in this, this strange place called planet Earth. Now, if I cloned you in a laboratory, let's say I made 10 clones of you, you know, manufactured genetic clones. My idea is that they would have only the one single memory and one imprint of one single life. They will have no memories of past, i.e. in the world of spirit, or perhaps future. So the argument is, and it's very theoretical, when those clones die, that spark of awareness may not be strong enough to get back to where you have come from. And if the greys are implemented this on a universal level, and they have found a planet which surprisingly uh, goes through this form of reproduction. And this is why I wanted to look more into the so-called hybridization program. I didn't see any hybrids at all when I had my experience back in 1989, my experience was, let's just put it this way, very intrusive and embarrassing. But at the same token, I understand from other researchers and those that have experienced this on, on all manners and levels, indicate there is some kind of program going on. Now, Dr. David Jacobs, who I met in Arizona some years ago now, um, he believes that they are among us and that they want to take over. Well, I respect the good doctor's thoughts on that, but there may be another reason as to why the greys are doing what they're doing. So that, that in, you know, in a, in a nutshell, is basically where the idea of consciousness, of soul, of replication, came into fray with regards to the research that I was doing. Okay. <clears throat> I just feel like uh, there's a lot to unpack in what you just said, and I love every bit of it. And it only leads me to more what ifs. You, you've definitely found a home on the expanding reality um, 
show here, man. So uh, let me let me ask, because I do want to talk about your experience, if you don't mind, because I've got some specific questions about some things, because I honestly have never inter- I've yet to interview an experiencer directly. Uh, it's been uh, just something I just hadn't come across. And you're my first. So thank you very much. Uh, so uh, I do want to, though, ask about so the the part that you said about the astral body is maybe what they're working on, not the physical body. I think that that is brilliant. I think that that is probably something that's uh, least of all understood about the phenomena, and but I think that it makes the most sense as far as your ability to transmute into matter and how you're able to physically go, physically go through matter that you shouldn't be able to, or that we've been told that we can't. Maybe some kung fu master can that's done this for thirty <laughs> years in a cave or something. But uh, it, it's also um, something that I do think that you're right, and and to the grays element of it, it seems like, and I've heard the theory, and I'm sure you have too, that they're they're basically robots or androids. And if you were going to traverse the depths of space, you wouldn't want a, a decaying body or a body that can be damaged by radiation or something like that. The smart thing to do, because Mars right now that we know of, allegedly, is inhabited 100% by robots, right? And that we sent there. <laughs> um, but, and because that's the smart way to do it, and maybe that's it. Maybe it's these self-replicating things that go out and they're just here to explore and we're just a big science experiment. Or it's a deeper thing with our uh, DNA specifically. It's a deeper thing with our soul specifically or our mm-hmm. consciousness or our source. Uh, and then there's a couple schools of thought on that. Um, I do want to talk to you about the simulated reality theory. Have you ever heard of that? That we're just living in a big simulation? Yes, I have. That, um, you know, this isn't real. That, um, and there's, there's several theories about that. Um, I always felt that, you know, when I was a kid and I believed that the world went on forever. I'm not a flat earther, by the way. Okay. Um, but when the teacher told me that we were on a planet, I had to grab hold of my chair because I would fall, thought I would fall off. <laughs> right. And then, and then the shock of trying to work out, well, what's holding all of this together? I mean, you know, what are we looking at here? This is incredible. And the, of course, I've looked into areas of the universe, of consciousness, and that, you know, it could be possible that when we are born into this realm, when we, uh, you know, come into this reality, that there is a program that is linked within our brain that is telling us what we are seeing. Now, we do also understand that we are programmed also um, from a educational point of view, which tells us what is real and what is not and what is right and what is wrong. Okay, I get that. I understand that we have to have some platform uh, and some basis of, you know, the, the empathic nature. Unfortunately, the world is not like that in reality. But then we get deeper into the fact that, you know, when you start exploring uh, alternative realities such as the UFO phenomena or the psychic phenomena or the universe or, or even uh, our creation, uh, which is very shady, um, you then find that um, you're told that you're barking up the wrong tree. So as I said before, I wanted to find out whether or not I was lying or the system was lying. And this is where the inception of the title for the book, the new book, You, the Public Deceived, the Grandeur for Deception, was born. Because I thought, well, how can all of us be lying? Okay, you get cranks and you get disinformers and lies. In all forms of life, you'll get them. But in the reality, um, you know, what we're looking at here is remarkable because we are now extending our once condensed thoughts about the phenomena into areas that once were considered laughable back in the 80s. 
um, channeling, you know, I mean, you know, certain levels of channeling. It's the same with medium, medium, mediumistic abilities, where you get, you know, people who profess to be a medium and then those that are a medium. The same with uh, contactees or so-called contactees. I think a lot of the information from the past would show us some shady areas with contactees and those who, yes, because where were they? Where were the aliens? They never made an appearance. Um, and as one good friend of mine, um, Neil Geddes Ward, an author and an, an artist, you'd find it very interesting to talk to on your show. He said to me, well, you know, they didn't take the center stage. So, you know, the, the aliens always seem to be elusive in nature or never seem to turn up. Or if they did, they were some model from, from years ago. Um, so I think, you know, the deception is very deep in terms of not just the state that, uh, you know, that we work under, but also from our very own people. And there's something else, if I can just say here, Brandon, which is very interesting. People prefer to believe in something that's untouchable. For instance, the Bible. We go into the sacred texts. People believed in angels of the miracles of that time. You mentioned Ezekiel and all the rest of it. And then, you know, and now if anything happened in present times, it'll be like, no, it can't happen. It, it can't possibly happen. It's almost if people on the psychological level can't deal with it. If I placed in front of you, not that I have got it, but a piece of the Roswell material and said, hey, here we are, Brandon, I've got a piece of the Roswell material, and say, ah, you're joking me. But if a lot of the things that happened in the past are more of interest to people, it's as if we can't deal with what's happening in the present and we have to move on. But certainly, I totally agree with you, going back to, without me, you know, going off course here, but going back to simulation, it is very feasible to assume that we are being controlled by some form of uh, software program that's being, you know, downloaded into our minds. And because if we, if we think about it, when someone dies or someone has an abduction, that reality is a new reality. Yeah. And in more instances, more real to them than the one they left behind. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's almost, and there's a few schools of thought on that as well. I mean, Nick Bostrom came up with the, with the three or four, it's, it's multiple things, but three are, are basically pointed out that, you know, a civilization will never get to the point um, evolutionarily uh, that they can't, either they destroy themselves or uh, they never technologically reach that state to where they can create uh, the computer necessary to, to actually run they called ancestor simulations, but actually run simulations to the detail in which the occupants wouldn't know or the participants wouldn't know that they're in a simulation, right? The, yes. the second level is is that they reach that point technologically, but they decide not to do it. it. In a nutshell, it goes a little deeper than that. And then the third possibility is if they reach that point technologically and then choose to flip the switch and turn it on, then the, the odds of you being in a simulation are billions to one versus the original creator reality. And that could be anything. They could be squid people and they just kind of created a simulation that de developed us or we just appeared here now the the interesting part one of the one of the parts to the phenomena that i find interesting that relates to the simulation hypothesis is that that would be that would explain a lot of it if if the if this whole reality or this realm which i like that you put it that way is governed by a set of laws like a computer program those laws can be broken and manipulated and there are there can be things that insert themselves and and exit themselves. To the other point, maybe the point to the etheric or the 
ethereal body would be that it appears that way to us but really in in reality then it would just be like a, a receiver like a, a radio frequency or something like that that can be tuned into hijacked and that's another thing that the grays could yes. possibly be is basically like intergalactic hackers they kind yes. of take you they manipulate you they're able to yep. erase memories or erase files whenever they're in there and and kind of alter the way that you perceive reality leave physical imprints on this android that you've got and then and then jack jack out it, it's something that um i think about a great deal um more to the spiritual element of that whole process i i honestly heart of hearts want to believe that it's just a ride you know that this is just an experience you're just a spiritual being having a human experience you know basically and then it's it it, it allows you not to take things too seriously it allows you to have more fun it there's less dire consequences as far as your there's no you know burning place that a loving all creative you know god would send you because that he loves you but he's going to send you to this place that he created for you because he knows you're going to screw up because he knows everything about everything i it, it it comes down to there for a long time there, and what I'd still kind of like to entertain the more romantic option, if you want to go on a spiritual uh, path with it, is that we're all God experiencing itself subjectively, meaning that we're all created. I'm you, you're me, and it, if it transcends time and reality, then of course we could all be everything at once, but we just need to be individualistic and it created a duality type of a system hot cold dark light but you need the contrast to have the experience that you're here to have which is it's just a ride it's just whatever the hell you want it to be yes absolutely and my th this is where you know most people still with the ufo community try to divide the essence of what we are uh to you know and against the ufo phenomena because sadly god love them a lot of people want to still believe in the other planet hypothesis i absolutely totally understand that there could be other species out there but let's look at it this way my understanding and my certainly uh research and the proof of that i mean you know i know that people say that i'm a medium but i was more fascinated with the ability of consciousness being able to survive this plane of reality beyond death. I had a big, big hang up about losing people that we all do. And that went, that took me through a dark period, but it was proven to me that they continue, that there is soul survival. Now, what's interesting is that I believe that what we call the other side is that God is a part of us. So we call it the God force. I don't see it as a man in a chair. I believe that we all, that the God is experiencing reality through each individual form. And then when we finish this journey, we then send that data back into the collective force of the Godhead so that the expansion process continues with regards to creation. Now, if you have a species who is outside or somehow devoid of that and wants that, um, because they've, you know, if, if, if they had replicated themselves, then they, you, you'd almost be desperate to, to attain what you had lost in some ways. And I believe that if we look at what the greys are doing in terms of, um, you know, DNA, in terms of memories, of experiences, you know, you've got to feel sorry for them to a degree because they act like specters. They come in and they go out very quickly and they deceive. They also lie to a lot of people. Um, but I certainly agree when you mentioned all of us being the same being. It reminded me of an episode of the Indiana Jones and the uh, Crystal or something. Crystal Skull. That's it. Yeah, and everybody at the hates end, that movie. I love that movie. 
the end showed everything because the gray all of the other grades were coming into one. It was all, you know, and that kind of like, I kind of like got the idea, wow, you know, that's incredible. And it kind of like made me feel kind of, kind of like good that, you know, we're all perhaps one of the same thing, but experiencing this. And yes, going into our Genesis, which is all very shady. Um, I've looked into areas of that. I'm not an expert, but we are entitled to formulate our our own conclusions. Yeah, Certainly you don't have agree. to be an expert. You can look at it logically and just ask questions about it and go, this doesn't make sense. Why, we create ourselves an our image. Why is it plural? And, you know, the gods with, uh, you know, small g and with an S, it's what, what is that all about? Yes, well, I believe that, you know, when we look at the human or the model of the human, um, there could be a possibility that we had been fashioned from our cousins, the apes, or the DNA had been utilized from one and then infused with something else. People call that alien, and I feel that may be the, 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 the way forward. Um, the Sunday school version that we've been afforded is rubbish, because if we were the true inhabitants of this planet, we would not shy from our very own sun. We would, our bodies would have been adapted to a more suitable environment, but unfortunately it hasn't. And science is rigorous and absolutely, totally ruthless if anyone dares speculates that we had been the product of some form of extraterrestrial intervention. And I'm not talking about the greys here. I believe that perhaps we were created by something that was in our their image, as is in our image. Um, but that's an, another argument. And one of the things you'll find that people will tell you how they see it. But we have to be open to all forms of speculation. But I totally agree with you there that... You know, we could, we are all going through an experience and that we are, you know, to love, to understand. And when the journey ends, a lot of people report that when they pass to the other side, um, it is a universal experience of love and of acceptance on, of total unity. And the, uh, you know, the, the beauty of being individual for a moment in time. Now, most people are horrified because they think, well, will I be absorbed back into the God force and not have identity? No, we understand that there is an aspect of the personality which survives beyond the state of death. doesn't mean to say that it's completely nullified or absorbed back into the God force, as we call it. We don't know enough about that because no one's been in the core of the experience long enough. <laughs> so <laughs> we can only speculate as to that hypothesis. Um, but certainly, yeah. It it's it's awesome, man. I I knew I was gonna like talking to you, but I'll be damned, dude. You're, there's a lot of depth to you, and I really really appreciate you uh, coming on and talking to me about all this cool stuff. Uh, so let me let me ask you this: if if it is the case that um, after death, you know, and I think that what you say, the fears that we have about after death is number one, the the seemingly unknown, right? Um, it's very hard to say this is what it is because you're told a lot of things, right? And you're told a lot of things from people that you that you trust, your family, your parents, all that. But it turns out that maybe that's not accurate. And the only reason they believe that is because they were told that as well. It's not a direct experience. And the biggest issue that I've got with if that's the way in, in conventional religion is that it's not innate. It's not, it's got to be told to you. It's not something that you experience on an innate level, you know, like your hair growing, your eyes blinking, your heart beating. These are things that you don't need to be explained as far as your body's ability to do it and to function that way. If we're talking about your eternal soul here, there'd be a clear roadmap. If there was a right and a wrong and it wasn't, it was that dire, it was your eternal soul, then I don't believe uh, that it would be so 
open to interpretation. And I don't think you'd have representative, mortal representatives here on earth that uh, diddle children and that, um, you know, beat their wives and things like that. And that's the guy I'm supposed to be listening to. That's I'm supposed to follow that. No, thank you. I'll take whatever the opposite of what this guy's selling is, you know, and it's it's in a way it's um, it's deceiving to the point. But I also wanted to bring this up and you you made me have a thought whenever you were explaining uh, the, the nature of reality earlier that maybe all of the combativeness, maybe all of the alternate ideas, maybe all of the science uh, that they say is settled, that I don't think science is ever settled. Um, I think that there's an ever evolving. I think a lot of the science is just theories based on theories based on theories and that it still aren't very provable, but then they prove it based on the theory before it. Now, um, what what may be happening is this is all just a big puzzle or it's a big game or an, ex- an experience, you know, like one of those escape rooms. Have you ever done one of those where you go in and it's timed and you have to follow a bunch of clues and you have to solve a puzzle before the time runs out? Well, I would fail miserably because <laughs> I, I'm. I, <laughs> no, you do it as a team, man. It's actually a lot of fun. It, come to the states; we'll do one. Come to Texas; I'll, <laughs> you, you and your brother, come on out. I'll, I'll host you guys, and y'all come do one. My point is, is maybe that the naysayers, maybe all of these things, it's an opportunity for you to discover the truth. It's it's an opportunity based on opposition, based on an alternate idea. And not to always buck every idea, because I think there's a lot of common sense here. Um, not as much as we'd like. I think common sense is pretty uncommon. But uh, as far as, you know, like uh, fire burns, uh, if you step out in front of a bus, that's probably not a good idea. Uh, you know, <laughs> things like that. I think that there are concrete, I don't want to say rules, but I think that there are concrete guidelines, perhaps. But as far as um, the nature of reality, uh, it could very well be just whatever the hell you think it is. And you're experiencing the world some way else. I'm experiencing it some way. And that could be what it is with shared experiences that we then all interpret on a different level. Mm, Yes, definitely. And as I said before, you know, we're all trying to squeeze this to the same box and it will not fit. And as, as, as I've been looking into this, you know, I'm finding that this is happening on a personal level of integration personal and that could lead us into the understanding that you know um you know with regards to our journey here on earth i agree with you also going back to everyone again with life after death trying to squeeze it all into the same box i believe i had an experience when i was very young and you know i'm not here pushing anything or proving anything i cannot and will not but it has changed me on a personal level the experience that I had of almost dying um, when I had crossed over, if that's what you want to call it, there was a point or an abyss where I felt like I wasn't in control. And I felt also like that, you know, everything here on this planet was very human. We're looking at, at it in a very humanized fashion. I believe that when consciousness, and I, I, I still believe, and I've been corrected so many times, but consciousness, this awareness of self, when that separates from the body, the soul, it's consciousness. When that separates from this reality, it is stripped of the human uh, you know, parts that we had been, the very animalistic functioning to a degree of what we had been in this life. And, you know, I know that people try to bog it down with fear of control, which has happened in history through, you know, religion and fear mongering. Um, I believe the process is very natural. No one complains about coming in and they have very little memory of it as they do when they go out. They don't complain about going out at the end. It's a, 
it's almost like relief to them. So I believe that there are fascinating aspects with regards to the survival of consciousness. Uh, however we glam it up, there are cer certain things that we do know. Belief shapes reality. Um, if you have a belief in something, that's shaped into your reality of how you, you perceive that reality to be. The greys themselves, going back to the greys, something must have happened to them, um, you know, on, on a monumental level. And I like your idea of robots. That also has been explored. Um, but they seem to be harvesting or wanting something that they have lost. And on a primordial level, in terms of the physical inception of what we became as humans, could we ourselves have appeared as, first of all, as a blank canvas, and another species had integrated their intelligence fashioning us? Are those greys doing the same, fashioning themselves into a new genus through us? We don't know. And these are questions where people will put down your throat saying, no, 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 that's not how it is. But as I say before, you know, we have to be open to all forms of speculation. So there's a, multi there's, there's a multitude of things occurring here. It's not just the UFO field, because once you start exploring the UFO phenomenon, this kind of like changes the individual. They become more receptive, more empathic, more creative, more aware. And I believe that a certain programming has been disrupted. The system that we live that wants you to believe that you live and you die, that you're told what to do and this is what you're to believe and you're to toil the soul until you die and then that's it. But a lot of people now are going through some form of awakening on a conscious level. And I think that is good as long as it doesn't damage or, you know, get people who unfortunately have gone AWOL with it. Uh, by walking a very structured path and being able to balance both sides equally, I think you're safe there. I think, you know, some people, God love them, they go too far one end or they're too restricted on the other. Um, but again, you know, this is, uh, this is, uh, unfamiliar territory to many and they will reject it outright um, because they they haven't had time for it to absorb or condense within this here that's uh, the beautiful and wonderful organ called the brain so uh yeah yeah and w the way you describe the ufo phenomena and how it's how it, how it appears is exactly the same way or how people experience it is exactly the same way that psychedelics affect the psyche um i don't know if you've ever imbibed we're not here to if you'd like to talk about it we can that's okay uh but i can tell you um that especially like terence mckenna um i know that he figured out or he speculated that the ufo phenomena was a psychosomatic one that it was created by either the earth itself on a, a spiritual type of a level or that us as a collective conscious were doing it and creating that. Now, Terrence McKenna was a big uh, psychonaut, as we call them, uh, and he <laughs> actually had some great uh, experiences. And one thing that's interesting about consciousness to that point is maybe uh, there's there's a filter, you know, within consciousness that, oh, that yes. you have to kind of govern or retard your the big experience by dumbing it down to this five sense reality and and maybe that's just a function of the environment maybe that perhaps that's just something that you experience because you're here to to focus on this you know what i mean you're not going to be driving a race car and also watching a cooking video in your passenger seat you want to you want to do one or the other you know what i mean and so maybe we are huge spiritual beings and there's all this cool stuff going on around us that our five senses can't really pick up because we only see in a very narrow bandwidth we hear within a certain parameter of kilohertz 
And, you know, whenever psychedelics enter the picture, it's, it's almost like it, it retards that filter a little bit. It, it malfunctions, sort of. Or maybe that's a way of unlocking a door that shows you, hey, there's this is what's really going on around you. And this is how your brain can really operate with this high data input because you get a ton of data, a visual, auditory, everything. Uh, your mind just thinks and your neurons connect in a more um, uh, an incredible way. It's more encompassing. And it actually... It's it's a great process, and I don't recommend it for everybody. But I definitely say that um, there's there's a lot of um, a lot of not only studies that have been done on it, but it it kind of the way that it affects your reality is the same way the phenomena acts. Sometimes it it's, it goes beyond reason. Uh, you're okay with it because you're aware that that's what's going on. Uh, not the abduction thing necessarily, because I hear that that's a terrifying experience for a lot of people, not everybody. Um, but it, it's almost to the to a degree to where it is just outside, but happening around us all the time. And there's a filter in your consciousness that won't allow you to perceive it in a direct way. And maybe that's again part of because you're here to drive a race car. Maybe um, you know that other thing and the things that you see through the window as you're driving this car. To stick with the metaphor, are extra, but they're not what you're supposed to focus on. They're a part of the experience, but they're not what you're here to do. Um, as far as that goes, you're here to check out what flowers smell like. Uh, you're here to feel what the ocean feels like. You're here to pet a dog. You know, dogs are awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. you're here to build relationships and, and know those kind of communicative type of, an, uh, experiences. But I think that this is a glimpse of it. It's all, like I said, a ride in my mind. Uh, the, the thing that yeah. is most romantic to me, uh, is that reality is just a ride and you're here just to touch, smell, taste, see, and hear everything you can with the little bit of time that you got. And when the ride's over, you, you go pick another one. To the yeah. NDE experience that you said um, about um, being dispassionate about where you, where you lose the human things, the fear, the judgment, things like that. I have heard of a, a couple of near-death experiences where somebody said that they were above their body and they were floating above their body and they turned around and yeah. looked at their own body, the thing that they'd been in forever and you, you know, we're kind of partial to our bodies and they said it looked like um, an old shirt that they had just taken off after a long day and that's how, that they were just very dispassionate about it. And, and that, that experience of an NDE makes me realize or makes me question... Um, the extraordinary abilities of people that come back with NTEs, they're, they're able to really tell you, look, you know, the consciousness is, is everywhere. And we're in this just soup of consciousness. You're only here dialed down to this frequency to have this 3D reality experience. And that's why you get to struggle. That's why things are the way that they are, because it also is a dichotomy. It's a, it's a dualistic universe. So you experience everything. Yes, and I agree, because it's a personal journey, and this is the thing, the system that we serve has hijacked, not just perhaps the greys, but the system has hijacked um, the way that we are allowed to view ourselves and creation and the universe and, you know, life everlasting, because we are, you know, ostensibly led to fear, to control, and this subjugates consciousness to the level where people start to panic. If you look now, there's more, you know, desperation, there's more psychological, mental problems, um, you know, and I believe that a lot of people now are getting to the sense where they think, hang on just a minute, this, is this everything? Is this the lot? You know, science continually you know, poo-poos all of these subjects that other researchers have taken it upon themselves to investigate. And why do you think it is that a lot of these so-called 
people, the shadow people, I call them, those that govern in high places, are keeping an eye on people like you and many other people through their research to see what they are revealing, to see what they're thinking. We are so scared of one another <clears throat> because we don't know what we're the other person's thinking. The greys seem to work as a one-hive-mind consciousness. Um, you know, and I believe that the system wants exactly the same thing, to replicate a one-mind so they can see and hear and feel and sense everything. And, and, you know, this is not a good way to go forward. Our individuality is what makes us unique. We find God in the next person. We find fascination through other people that create the most wonderful things, whether it be music or art or literature or, you know, programs. It doesn't matter. We are seeing a reflection of greatness in many other things, and the system is adamant in destroying that. And I think what's happening now is that, you know, a lot of people are waking up and, you know, by God, we are allowed to question. I used to think many years ago, back in the 80s when I was a, a young lad, that, you know, that all this stuff about UFOs and aliens was all very restricted and condensed. Programs like um, Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World that would open up very positively, but then with a downer. But is this real? And, you know, people, you could tell then, so conditioned but when you have an experience, whether or not it be some form of narcotics or through an abduction, it reminds us that there is a greater reality. And the North American Indians as well, God love them, were very much aware of these different states of consciousness. Um, and going back into antiquity, the same is said there. It's almost as if this system that we serve is cold, is calculating, is trying to really take the last stages of this control to the next level. And I think that we're seeing a huge conscious rebellion. I think also uh, there's another idea here that we can just throw out there and something that I've just been around with. You know, maybe this suppression of consciousness is rebelling and forcing itself back into our psyche in levels that we would find amazing to remind us that, you know, that, you know, we weren't meant to be restricted within our thinking. We were meant to be all-encompassing and all-loving. You'll get those people also who go, hey, well, you know, that will happen anyway. But a lot of people are trying to find out what life means. What is this? What is the universe? You know, what are those things that come in that, that abduct and have their agenda? And who's to say it's wrong? Maybe they see it as their right to do what they're doing. Um, you know, because this is where we have a lot of contradictory thoughts within the phenomena. So you can see, Brandon, that, uh, you know, I haven't ended up in an asylum yet. <laughs> no, um, they're coming for you, though. <laughs> 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 you know, I do have a sense of humor with this, certainly with the research, and it just opens up this amazing spectrum of other realities. I never, <clears throat> I never would have believed that my interest in ufology would then open up to, you know, talking to the dead, or rather being used as a, a transmitter for, uh, you know, downloading information, because that's all that's happening, no matter how much someone glams it all up. At the end of the day, we're all receptors. Um, we're antennas, 
and how we utilize this is able to transverse other en energies which are invisible around us. And, you know, going back to the analogy of the mobile phone again, that is a very classic example that I've used. It's a great example. It's a brilliant show, example. Yeah, to show that, you know, we, most people are switched off, but hang on, what if I switch that one on? I'm like, whoa. And they come forward and they say, my God, would you believe this? And they look at you as if to say, well, I think you're from another planet. And then what also occurs is through this uh, transmutation of different alternative realities of experiences, it changes you. And, you know, that I think and feel is the most beautiful thing. When my maternal grandmother passed over to the other side, we've all lost people. Um, and seeing her coffin, tiny coffin, I thought, no, no. There's, there's, and I went to go and see a medium for the very first time in my life, who worked for the FBI in America. She worked on cold soul cases. She wiped the floor with me, Brandon. And I got back in my car after two hours. I put my head down on the steering wheel and I wept. And it was like this whole weight had lifted um, because I thought, my God, this medium knew about my alien uh, experience. She knew about the UFO. She didn't know me from Adam. You know, and, and I thought, how? And then I went back to her, which she, she was right two years later. And then she started to teach me how the process of discarnate communication, take away all the flim flam and fish and all the stage. So it's a process of, um, you know, understanding information that's coming through on a different level of reality. The UFO subject is more powerful and, and, and overbearing because it seems to forcibly move its uh, way into the psyche, um, whereas the, uh, the talking to the dead or, you know, you're not talking to them, they're just sending you signals that you have to decipher and scramble from their level of reality. So this led me into very deep waters of investigation. Um, so that, that is where I, you know, was and still am in terms of exploring uh, the different types of dynamics that we can utilize on a theoretical level of trying to work out what are we dealing with. And I believe that the truth is far more amazing than the condensed version that we're giving it at this moment of time. Completely agree. And to the flim flame part of it, I think that there's dissenters in all elements of that for maybe a variety of reasons. Number one, the system uh, that's a rigid system that wants to keep you down and not not show you the truth at all for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And I think that reason is is because we would we would create a different world that doesn't benefit them. It's kind of like the battle of the uh, what was that war of the wattages between Edison and Tesla that he <laughs> did a smear campaign on edit on Tesla and Tesla died penniless and one of the best inventors of our yes. time created wireless yes. electricity and we could all yeah. be living on that but it couldn't be metered and regulated and so not only was it discredited it was destroyed and snuffed out the the papers were uh taken after his death and then the uh, the installation was dismantled terrible. so there goes that dream terrible uh, early 1900s we could be all in a very very different place right now and i think the system in place is designed like that on purpose. And it's designed like that because those people know the truth and those people know what's really going on, but they've been able to manipulate the human spirit and, and kick us down and distract us in such a way to where we don't ask these kinds of questions. And you look like a, a lunatic if you do. I, it's, you know, but it's, it's one of those things that, you know, why aren't you talking about the football game? Or why aren't you talking about uh, this reality TV show that everybody's watching that therefore you should be watching too? Why are you talking about this alien shit? Well, the other part of that is, is why, 
there's there's an old saying uh, because that's that's society, right? That's the bulk of people. I think that, like you said, there's a lot of people waking up now, and a lot of things are happening in a, in a variety of different ways. But there's an old saying that being a well adjusted to a sick society is no measure of good health. So I would say that you and I are in better health, uh, you know, amongst our peers as well. Uh, that knows mm. that these kinds of questions are what keep you going because man you look at these mm. folks not all of them but you look at people that don't ask these kinds of questions they're miserable or they're entirely happy with being ignorant and i'll go down on a few paths with some folks and i can be a little verbose as you can tell uh but i um i'll go down a few paths with some people and they're like i just it just i, I don't like thinking about stuff like that it blows my mind like i can't comprehend things like that i'm like but that's the exciting part of it they're like just do what you're told just go with this the way that it is. And I just refuse to do that uh, like yourself. Um, but to the flim flam element of it, uh, I think that those things, those are there for a couple of reasons. Number one, to profit, uh, because they either know that it's, that it's true or they don't believe in the system at all. And they, they just want to profit off of it. But what it does in them profiting off of it, profiting off of it, it, mm. it, discredits the phenomena because it is a phenomena. It is a real thing. Mediumship is a oh, yeah. real thing. The UFO phenomena is a real thing. And oh, there's yeah. even, who said, um, there was a CIA guy who was told to infiltrate UFO groups. I forget that it wasn't Dottie. Was it Rick Dottie? I don't think so. Anyway, there was a guy who worked for the CIA who infiltrated UFO groups and actually gave talks, uh, but he led everybody in a wrong direction. And they did that on purpose as a dis disinformation campaign. And it's, it's so why would they do that? I mean, because I think that we're onto something here, but also it's another divide and conquer tactic, just like what's going on right now with the world, with the racism, with yes. the mask and no mask, with all of these things and mm -hmm. divide you further and further and further because they don't want us rising up and figuring out that we are they don't want to wake the sleeping giant and i think unfortunately mm -hmm. it, it's like we've been asleep but the fingers are wiggling and now the wrist is moving and now the other <laughs> hand is moving and i think the giant's being woken up little by little uh but it's a chain reaction type of a deal and i think having conversations like this just further solidifies that um yeah. So I, I wanted to ask you, though, uh, definitely about your mediumship uh, or your um, experience. Which one do you want to do first? I'll let you Well, I, the experience itself, I mean, mediumship, you know, anyone can claim anything and, you know, and become sensationalized. I have never in my life been one of those people. I have always been after the truth and working out how things work. Um, so that was another area uh, that really interested me in how they were able to communicate and also the other side. I will say that I, something was proven to me back in uh, the 8th of June, 1998. Uh, we were doing a lot of research at Rendlesham Forest here in Suffolk, England. And I co-authored a book with the uh, original investigator, Brenda Butler, called Sky Crash Throughout Time. Um, you know, a further investigation of the Rendlesham and the UFOs that were there before and after the initial uh, UFO experience with the American military in 1980. I've met Colonel Charles Holt. He's a wonderful man, um, very on the ball. And um, Jim Penniston, he's a lovely guy. And um, But one of the things that we did um, after Peter Robbins had suggested, you know, back in the uh, late 90s, he said, you've got to go there. You've got to go to Rendlesham Forest. You've got to see there's some strange things still going on there, you know. And Peter, Peter is a dear friend. And so we decided to go out there. And we were performing these experiments, me and my twin brother and Susan. I heard a song by Karen Quinter, wonderful singer, beautiful artist, uh, no longer on this side of life, called Calling Occupants. And I thought, I wonder if that's possible. I wonder if we can call them. So 
To cut a long story short, we had done a meditation here in Bedford a week before to our journey to Rendlesham, which is a two-hour journey for us here, walk in the park. And we asked them to appear to us that we would take no equipment with us. And bearing in mind that we'd done a lot of research, a lot of strange things happened. Again, it's like an area where I think when UFOs have penetrated a certain area, it brings to a level of high strangeness. So on, on the 8th of June, 1998, we had gone, I've got to think about the dates here because there's so many in my head. We had gone to the forest and um, we performed this experiment in the middle of the field, uh, just outside the forest. And we had been witness to an amazing formation of a triangle object with a gap in a circular appendage underneath it. It was silent. It was glowing brilliantly above these trees. It was huge. And I started to run towards it. That's a whole new story that did happen. It was recorded, and I've put it in my other works as well. But one of the things I found was that it was, I was thinking to myself, well, is this operating from me? Or is it like knowing what I'm thinking and then doing that? Because we'd all there, or is it wanting to show itself to us? So I believe that consciousness, individual consciousness, has some part to play in it. The confusing aspect is people will say, well, did it belong to the greys? Well, I don't know. I couldn't tell you because I didn't see any greys at that time at 1998 when we performed this experiment. People look at you as though, oh, you're just baking it up. No, this actually happened. And I documented it. And I, Neil Geddes Ward did a small documentary and they used the CGI thing with it. It was incredible. Can we, can we replicate it? No. So going back to the abduction in 1989, um, that was completely different and totally unexpected and nothing that I had sent out mentally to them saying, oh, I want you to abduct me or I want you to come and get me. Nothing of the sort. It just happened. But it did leave physical marks. And there were also some patterns that another research has connected that is very, very odd uh, indeed with regards to what happened. Mm. <clears throat> You know, and it's interesting, too, that you said, um, because the observer has a lot to do with the phenomenon, how it's experienced. And yes. it's it's interesting because some people see different entities. Um, some people see mm. uh, craft. There'll be five people standing there. Two people see it. Three don't. And they're all looking at the exact same place. And so yes. the the observer element of it, I think, can't be discounted and it can't be um just dismissed and, and swept away. I, I think that that's a big part of it. And so, yes, I do think that on some level, this has a lot to do with our consciousness. And yeah. to what you said about the phenomena, when you look at it, it looks back. And then when you when it looks back and you look at it, it notices you're noticing it. Then it'll do things to have you notice it again. And it, it is this kind of dance that goes on. It's It wants you to know it's there, but it doesn't really want you to know what it is. It leaves you wanting more, but it won't tell you what it really is. It's it's an interesting yeah. dynamic between the, the observer and the experiencer mm. and the phenomena itself. It, it's fascinating. Um, so tell me about your um, 2016. Right. That was with the, the 9th of April 2016 at exactly quarter past 11 at night. That was witnessed by other people. What happened was that we had, my twin brother and I had returned from a couple of friends in the village of Copal, police friends. They were celebrating an early birthday meal for me and my brother. My sister and my niece were also present. They had come in a separate car. So I didn't drink because I drive. My brother doesn't. So I had to drive us home. So uh, my sister and my niece um, drove on. And my niece lives in the village of Marston Mortain. We had moved from there many years later. We had lived there. 
and she dropped her mother off. So then 10 minutes later, I decided to take my brother back home because it was getting late. And, you know, I think we, uh, we had work the next day or something like that. Anyway, so I'm coming out of the small village, going on to the bypass, and then cutting off towards Kempston, which is where we live. And in the distance, I could see, well, we both could see me and my brother, these formation of white lights that were quite low. But I thought, first of all, they're workman's lanterns. They're workman's lanterns. I don't know why the thought came into my head. And as I'm driving closer, I get onto an, uh, under, under Cow Bridge, which is not far from where we live. It's a small bridge. And I pull the car over and I'm looking at them and my brother's looking at them. And I'm thinking, I went cold. I wound down the window. I have a car now with a posh electric button now, but I had to oh, wind down the window. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I did that is because I wanted to hear if I could hear anything. Couldn't hear anything. The three uh, huge luminous spheres were just sitting there. And I said to my brother, I think they're by our house. So I wound the window back up. There they were. I drive up to, um, outside our property, get out the car, and there they are. They're in a triangular formation, um, silent, very low. And my man bag starts to buzz. And I'm thinking my phone's ringing in there. I have a choice. I can either take the phone out of my bag and answer it, or I can use it to take a picture, or I just keep my eyes on them. I thought, no, I'm keeping my eyes on them. Couldn't believe it. It was like it was like the feeling that you get when it's just snowed, there's that quiet. Now, what's also interesting is that there was no person walking their dog. There was no person coming fr- fr- back from the pub. There was no one. So I'm looking up at them. My man bag is going off again. And the huge sphere, they're all the same size, moved over very slowly towards the back one to the front one. It didn't touch. Then it went back again. And then they moved in a configuration where they were in a line, a perfect line, one, two, three. And they started to move off quickly this way. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. I couldn't believe, you know, your brain's trying to process all of this. So I get indoors and my phone's ringing again and I pick it up and it's my niece. I said, are you phoning about the UFOs? They were my exact words. She said, have you mm, seen them? I won't use the word she used in there. You're welcome said, to. Uh, you don't have to if you don't want to. She, she told me that when she dropped her mother off, she was driving in the village of Master Mortain and she saw these three triangular lights on their way. She pulled the car over, she got her mobile phone out, and she filmed them while they were on their way. And I said, well, I've just seen them. So I went upstairs and I made a report on Facebook straight away. Then I had the next day uh, on the 10th of April, slightly earlier, probably around about eight, nine o'clock. I didn't document the time for this, but a helicopter came over very low to our house, um, very low. And uh, this racket. So I went outside with my brother to the back garden and the helicopter is positioned like this so that you can see in front of us going round. It's going round. And I, you could see the pilots, and it was a white helicopter. It wasn't a police helicopter, and it wasn't a military helicopter, at least not from my observations of that. But it was going round and round and then caused all this racket and then went off. And I thought, how strange. But then I thought, no, because people can get confused. Someone might phone up and say, Have you, can I report three UFOs I saw the other night? And they say, what, what do you mean? The, the helicopter? Oh, yes. Now, I know most people 
will say no, but I'm sorry, these things have happened. Now, I then had a person come for reading to see me, and he said to me after the reading, I've got something to show you. And he pulled it out the envelope, and it was the three lights that he had seen on the night that we had. And I said, well, I'm going to tell you something, sir. They were very low, like waiting for us. Now, does that make me and my brother special? No, it doesn't. But it was incredible. And they were documented in the new book, You, the Public Deceived, because I wanted to show people that, you know, these things do happen and they are documented. I have a chap that I'm talking to uh, this coming week who read this in my book and has seen them and wanted to talk. He's going to talk to me uh, about this. So, uh, you know, but when they are there and you're thinking, well, why? What, what are they doing? We've got no communication, if, if it's sounding a bit crazy here. There was nothing, but it was awe-inspiring and absolutely... I can't find the words. It, and once again, another puzzle. You know, it'd be lovely if they beamed us up and told us all and then beamed us back down again. None of that happened and we didn't lose time. That was exactly at quarter past 11 when I had got out that car and they were above us. So they must have got there probably... I don't know, they were sitting there and there was no one around. There was no one around. But you've had an abduction experience. And so yeah. with with all of this, though, it, it seems like that they you're kind of like tracked or marked. You know, basically, there's like a big spotlight on mm. you guys at all times. So that's why these things and the phenomena will keep appearing. Did When you had your experience, did you... Um, Let's let's talk about your if you're comfortable with it your abduction yes. experience because I'm I'm yes. curious about that but I do oh. I do want to come back to your sighting and and tie the two together so so walk me through that what what happened there in 1989 we'd lived in the village of Master Mortain that's where my niece lives um, she's moved now to another neighbouring village um, but I came back from work and the time would have roughly been about quarter past seven it was winter I didn't take a note of the date. Um, really, because at that point I was just getting in, well, after that I was getting really involved in this. Uh, but I got through the door, and we lived in a cul-de-sac in, in a, quite a large house. And all the doors are glass, um, you know, the front part of the house, frost glass doors, and the, you know, all the doors. And this is a theme, central theme that starts to occur with the abduction itself. So I got in the door, and I walked through the hall, and I walked straight to the kitchen stroke diner laid back against the counter. Our dog, Benji, at the time, is in the front of the breakfast bar. So the door, the glass door is open so I can see out into the hall. Now, I must stress here that as you walk straight forward as you came in, you would go into a shower room and also my brothers of mine, we used to share all those years ago, a study bedroom. It was quite big because the house had plenty of rooms. And, and so this is important for me to state that. So I'm standing there leaning against the counter, looking through to the hall. My brother is in front of me in the dining room area, so he can't see into the hall. And my sister is to the left, far left. We were having a coffee, talking about something. Uh, I remember that I wanted to go outside for a cigarette. I used to smoke then, never smoked indoors. But the atmosphere began to change. Um, it became electric. It was bizarre. And I remember to the dog starting to growl. You know when they start to growl? And I'm like, well, what the hell's going on? It's, and then all of a sudden, did something very strange. He froze. Then his head looked up to the ceiling. And these were his exact words that I will never forget. He said, there's going to be an earthquake 
or grandma's going to die. And a maternal grandmother at that point was still very much alive. I looked at him and he, was, he remained frozen like this, looking above the ceiling. And the, all along, the atmosphere is getting more dense, more electrified. Then there was this light that came up from the driveway to our house. And I thought that my mum at that point, at 20, was coming back from work. And when I saw this light coming up to the door, the light intensified and the dog started to really bark, really um, quite scared because he was distraught. And as this light got brighter, where the doors are to the frosted glass doors to the house, they started to bend. It was almost as if the light was manipulating the physical structure of the door, the glass doors. There was, you know, big, big another panel of, of glass there as well. And instantly, as this going backwards and forwards, my mind screaming, my brother's frozen, my mind screaming, what is happening? And then this small being, uh, it was about three foot tall, diminutive in size, clad entirely in black, and it had what I could see or perceive to be a motorcycle helmet on its head, although it wasn't your classic motorcycle helmet, it's the only way I could describe a helmet. As it came through this light, the door returned back to normal instantly and it ran into our bedroom stroke, stroke study. At that point, my brother snaps out. I don't even recall what happened to my sister. It is conceivable to assume that she may have been knocked out as well. I don't know. And this is what we think may have happened. But I reached behind me to get a knife, the biggest knife I could get, and I pulled it in front of me and I said, there's an intruder in the house. And then I yelled, there's an intruder in the house. And as soon as I said that, the being that had gone straight forward then came across the hall, up the stairs, which you can't see because there's a wall there, and disappeared. And we checked the house, there was nothing. Um, I broke down later on because I thought, well, I must be going mad because this is crazy. I mean, you know, I kept thinking, are we on a ley line? I didn't know about ley lines then because we weren't far from a church, St. Mary's Church. And, but then in the morning, the early hours of the morning, the most embarrassing, embarrassing thing happened. And I will report only facts as crazy as they are. I found myself waking up in the early hours of the morning. There was no clock for me to view. Um, on my back, on my back, three feet off the floor, about the same height as the being, and in the hallway of where the being had come through the door. And, but I can't move. It's almost as if I'm being forcibly moved forward. Um, so my head is being pulled forward, but I can't move. I'm aware, I'm conscious, but I can't move. And I'm shocked. I'm like, well, then I go through the kitchen glass doors as easy as butter. And I'm thinking, hang on just a minute. How on earth am I able to get through the door? I, I could see the dog sleeping in the corner. Then I'm being pulled through to the other side of the kitchen door, through to the conservatory, <coughs> excuse me, and then through to the conservatory, out to the garden. We had a very huge pond there and a, lot of, uh, a little bit of land there. And as I'm coming out, I'm being forcibly arched round, and in the sky um, are hundreds and hundreds of UFOs that are just moving through the sky. And I'm thinking, oh my God, they're real. They're, they're really here. This, this is, they're actually, they exist. There was one object that was stationary, 
and wasn't moving. And it looked to me like it was gray or dark gray. Immediately, as I focused upon it, I felt myself being pulled up and moving very quickly towards this object. I don't recall hitting it or going in it. I blacked out. And the next, there are two more parts to this that I'm trying to talk through very quickly here. You're good. The next, the next part was where I suffered um, within the media um, outlets, uh, television and that. But it was bizarre. I woke up to then find myself strapped to a bed. I was naked. I woke feeling disorientated or very hot because there was a lot of, a little bit of steam in the room, but it felt very hot. It's like being in a sauna. And I found that I was naked, that I was strapped. My legs were strapped and my arms were strapped, but I could move my head up. I could move my head, but I, I was restricted through the rest of the movement of trying to get off. And when I looked to my right, it was quite a dark room, but there was light to the front. There seemed to be a, uh, an alcove and there was like an opening where light was coming through, but it was cut off by this bit that was in front. When I turned to my right, um, <laughs> there were three reptilians that, and, and I'm not one of these reptilian guys, and this is where I had to deal with this for a long period of time, that were very tall, they were very dark, and they were moving in this thicker fog in a strange gait going backwards and forwards. The, the problem I had was not just seeing them which horrified me, but then realizing that I had something that had been inserted um, into the lower abdominal region and felt organic within the bowel because I could feel it. Immediately when I realized that I'm somewhere I shouldn't be, I've got something inside me, and these things with no empathy, cold, I started to scream, yell. Um, I wanted it out. I wanted it taken out of me. Um, I, I don't know how long I've been yelling for. And then all of a sudden, this creamy gray, uh, people talk about them being gray, but this was more creamy colored, appeared through the, the passageway to the, where in front of me, around this corner bit. And when I looked, these three guys had gone. But may I just state here for the record that the fear and the terror... Um, uh, cannot be measured. And um, even the publishers to my first book, Believe, Bridging the Gap Between the Psychic and UFO Phenomena, omitted this part because he said people wouldn't understand it. He actually had the part omitted from the book. So, mm, oh yeah. So, anyway, the small creamy gray comes forward, and all of a sudden I felt this device, whatever it was, retract. People have said to me, Did you see it? Did you? No, I, I felt it. It was being forcibly taken out by something. Maybe it was a machine or something. I don't know. It didn't feel like there was anyone there. But the gray came forward and I was able to move. The straps had been released and it ordered me to dress. It came through more like a knowing or a feeling or a words that were here. And I, I thought, well, I need to get the hell out of here. So I dressed and I was ordered to follow it through the front section of what I couldn't see but now could see. And it was like a corridor, but there was still steam, but I could see lights coming through the steam as if lighting the way forward. And we came to a wall, what I thought was a wall. 
And I thought, Jesus Christ, what on earth is going on here? I need, I need to get out of here. I'm, I, I'm, I'm starting to cry. And this gray is looking at me. And all of a sudden, the door becomes, uh, an, uh, sorry, the wall becomes a door. It's open. And I can see the village from a great height. I can even see our house from up. And the last part was the weird part. And there is a UFO, a circular UFO, hovering very low and much smaller near our conservatory. And I'm thinking, great, you want me to get out? How the hell do I get out? It's like, get out. We don't want you here anymore. It's like this feeling of like, just go. So the last part of this uh, was difficult. And this is uh, very strange. But I felt like I was given a jolt forward and there were two greys beside me. I was ordered not to look at them. Why? I have no idea because yeah. I'd seen one on there. It's old news now. I'm coming towards the last part now. So I'm coming down towards the garden and I see in front of me Noddy. I call him Noddy. I've, my brother's illustrated him. It's years ago, the same thing happened. The greys take off. I'm not allowed to look behind for some reason. I can't look behind. I'm not allowed to go back to see. So this last being is standing in front of me, and my God, this one was very striking in detail. He's standing there underneath this uh, silver UFO, circular with lights around it. It's smaller, but he's standing, he's about four foot tall. I can still see him in my head as clearly the whole thing. He, his face was more human, but it had a pronounced uh, point here for the chin, had very large um, black almond-shaped eyes, had more of a pronounced nose. He wore one-piece khaki uniform. He had knee-length boots on, but he wore this pointed hat on his head. It looked ridiculous. But his arms are folded across his shoulders. He was quite muscular, um, not like, but he had more meat on him. Well, he looked like that, but his face was of rage, of absolute rage at me. And I'm like, here... Um, and I, I can't move. And I'm thinking, you're angry with me? You're angry? And this, this is, what the hell is, I wanted to punch him. There is a children's character called Noddy, the famous uh, children's author that Ian Blightner created many years ago. I, he didn't look like Noddy, but I just call him Noddy because of the stupid hat, the way he was small. So I, like, I want to punch him. So I thought, no, hang on just a minute. I need, to f I need to know something from him. He can tell me. I know he can tell me, so I can tell people that this really happened. You know, God is my witness. I have been through this, and this thing is in front of me. And I say to him, here, how on earth, how the hell am I able to get through locked and bolted doors? How, how is that possible? And immediately, as I asked this question, he looked at me really shocked, his mouth went into an O, and I shot, began to shoot back through the conservatory glass doors, but I could see him, and he, he lifted his head up like this to the underneath of his craft, and he began to rasp this voice that sounded like the uh, voice synthesizer of a ZX81, which, by the way, my brother and I used to have many years ago. And I went through very fast the doors to the kitchen, then the hall, then through to the bedroom, and bang, I woke up. Yes, I woke up. And immediately I had a nosebleed, and I had to go and sort myself out in the toilet. The next day, I found that I had three red puncture uh, marks in the back of my right ear, 
that were in the shape of a triangle. My brother tried to photograph it with one of those instant Polaroid Kodak cameras. It wouldn't come out. I had three marks on my right arm. I suffered continuous nose bleeds to the right nose, and I found it difficult to walk. Now, what's interesting is that the doctors were going to cauterize my nose because embarrassingly, it would just bleed like just come out. It would just flow. And it stopped after two years' time. But then I started having problems with my right ear, <laughs> and I still do. And that heralded another strange uh, experience with the doctors when I went to go and have it examined three times and nothing's been done with it. So I assume it's something that has to stay in there. People will say, oh, you know, yeah, oh, it's all fantasy. Well, yes, but to some degree, I wanted to find out how it was I was left with physical marks, what the being, the black being represented, why things happened as they did. Our dog died shortly afterwards with a brain tumor. And when I'm not saying that it was attributed to the experience of what happened when the being in black came through the door, because the dog had been severely traumatized. Um, but what's interesting is that this led me then into the idea of how the greys were able to extract an individual. And going back to Noddy very quickly, another researcher called Pierce Back um, actually said, well, do you not realize that Noddy, as you call him, was mimicking the actions of your brother um, earlier that, that night. Yes, he was mimicking. It's almost as if he believes that whatever this intelligence was had um, neurologically or psychologically overridden his processing of reality, the same possibly with my sister, to knock them out. But I'm not unique. But at the end of the day, that is in a nutshell what happened. I have nothing, nothing will be added nothing will be subtracted. I've had people trying to tell me it was this or that. And I'm like, I can't change it. I don't know why it happened. Yeah. And it, it's your story. Uh, I, I think it's, it's fascinating and interesting. Um, so do you believe that, that your body physically was taken or do you believe that it was more no. of an ethereal? So your body stayed there. They jacked your yes. soul basically. And that's how you were able to transmute matter. That's how you were able to get through everything. And that's also how you were able to dis descend the craft from an elevated perspective. Because you just basically, what, just fell through and appeared on the ground with no yes. impact or sense of no. falling or anything like that? Floating. Floating. See, that that element of it is is fascinating to me because I've never heard that before. That, that's that been the, the first experience of that kind that I've ever heard. But then the physical marks would transfer, in theory, right, uh, from your soul to your body. Um, because you hear of people who... Um, have uh, have past life regressions where they've got birthmarks on them and yes. basically they remember uh, getting stabbed there and that's how they died or they have head wounds from a bullet wound and then they'll shave their head and there's one on the other side too. And so it's almost like it, it your soul can imprint basically yes. on your physical body. Um, now, did you have an implant in your ear? Is that what was discovered or just an issue? Well, it began as an issue. And then after some time, um, I went to the doctors many, many years later because it was a problem. Every time I shouted, it felt clogged. There was something in there. And on one occasion, I felt whatever it was physically move back in the ear. And I mean physically to the point where I was so shocked, I had to phone the doctor. And I went to the doctor and he had a look. And first examination, he didn't say anything. The second examination, a couple of uh, years later, led to the doctor looking in the ear, then looking, looking, and then leaving it. 
and what was weird was nothing more was said about it. It was like it was just left. And this is the God's honest, I will not, I will not lie. The third one was the most revealing. So I phone up the doctors and I say, look, I'm awfully sorry. I need to get this checked. I've had it looked at twice. I need someone to tell me what it is. So, and I think this will amuse uh, a lot of people here. It certainly amused me. You've got to see the funny side to this. So I go to the doctor and the doctor gets me in and I said, I've been, I've been having problems with my ear. Can you just have a look into the right ear? So she looked in the left ear to begin with, and then she looked in the right ear. I guess they do that to see what they're, you know, we're all a bit different, aren't we? So she's looking in the right ear and she's looking again and then again with her device. And I'm thinking, oh my God, what's she looking at? So she said to me, hang on a minute, I need, to, I need a, another opinion, I need to get another doctor. My stomach drops because I'm thinking, Christ, yeah, what has she found? Yeah. <laughs> so she went to go and get another doctor and another doctor came down and she took the device and she said her words, hmm, it looks like it's still healing. It has a crystalline structure around it. And a few more remarks were said that I can't quite remember. Uh, that, that didn't make any sense to me. And then she put the device down and went back out again. And I looked at the other doctor and she looked at me and she said, have you been abducted by aliens? Shut up, really? And yes. And I went back to my car. I laughed and didn't say anything. I went back to my car far worse than I'd gone to the doctors. And I thought, now another person had said, do you think that the aliens had you know, control them. And I'm like, well, I wouldn't go that far. It could have been just jest. But one of the strangest things I found was that um, it's just got to stay there, whatever it is. And I still have it in there. Um, and I can feel it. And most people say, oh, go to the, oh, get this done. And I'm like, hang on just a minute. This is my body. I will do as I please. I don't have to pre, if, I, if that was taken out and shown, they still wouldn't believe. This is my experience. This is what I feel I need to do. And I'm thinking about the 2016, um, you know, event. So if this, if, a big if, it is from them, then perhaps it's some kind of link, transmitter, whatever. Yeah, like a tag. That's kind of like the uh, the thought on it. Yeah, and and you remember uh, that Dr. Roger Lear uh, did a lot of oh, yes. those. That was oh, that yeah. was really cool. It's too bad he's not around anymore, man. I'm sure he'd take a look at it for you. Well, you know, at the end of the day, I'm more than open to be examined. I have got nothing to fear, nothing to hide, but I want it done by the right people because these ones were like, well, if you've got something, would well, they send you to an ear specialist to the hospital? And I thought, well, this is weird. Yeah, and it's almost like uh, in the in the reports that you hear about um, implants like that, it's like they they're an organic material. Uh, they look somewhat synthetic, but then they bond with the tissue oh, yes, around course, the yes. you know yeah. by the human, which is interesting. And yeah, it's kind of like a tag. It's kind of like how we we tag a whale or something, and we can track them. Um, you know, so that's pretty cool. You're like a you're like a beautiful whale specimen to these aliens, and they want to they want to keep track of you there. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Well, they didn't seem very happy with me at the time, I can assure you. So <laughs> God knows what the hell that was about. I have no idea. But Pierce Mack had suggested that perhaps this is something that may lead to past experiences and not just in this life. You know, if we, we look at the phenomena of the, as uh, Dr. Jack Vallee has stated, uh, and I have the esteemed honor of meeting him, uh, you know, the, it morphs. With you know, and and I and I'm always very respectful and very honoured. Uh, there's no ego attached to it. I am honoured, 
to meet uh, peers, um, you know, your peers. But he realizes that there could be a connection with the folklore of the past that has morphed and transformed into what it represents today. So we could be dealing with something that's very ancient um, that, that is connected with us, uh, you know, on a very personal level of psychic in, uh, integration. Um, but, I, but the experience was, there was no, there was no, nothing to tell me what they were doing or why they were doing it. It wasn't like, oh, I've got all the answers. In fact, it, it created more questions, especially the naughty character. And I thought, I'm not going to live this down. If I bring this out the way that it happened, which is exactly how it happened, you know, I'm going to laugh all the way to the least, and that's exactly what happened. But you know what? Being straightforward and honest and to the point has opened up new parallels to the abduction phenomena to a degree where I'm concerned. And I think you did it right, because a lot of people are embarrassed to tell what actually happened, and they will omit or leave out elements of it that, that embarrass them or that they don't they can't fathom. And so they just go, oh, yeah, I uh, got taken up, uh, went on a spaceship ride and came back. And they omit most of it or a lot of it. And they do that to the detriment of the research, because you need to know everything going on and you need to be able to connect a certain amount of dots, like the, the paranormal element, whenever that comes into play. I think the description of the beings that you saw are very important. I think you reporting it the way that you did which is everything that you that happened based on your experience is highly important to the the research and i think that that's important so if you guys get abducted out there reported exactly how it happened don't leave anything out don't feel embarrassed uh we're all in this together uh you didn't you didn't ask to get taken this was happened against your will you're a victim in this case uh that's why uh you know philip mantle's book without consent that's what that's Oh, yeah. So it's about it, you're not giving consent to this. And that's what's tragic about it, man, is that this happened to you. And in some cases, if you want to be an optimist about it, it happened for you. And I think that that's a good way to look at it uh, without driving yourself nuts. But let's be real. You had no real choice in this matter. It was happening whether you wanted it to or not. And that's the part that's uh, the most disturbing about the phenomena is that it, it didn't care about you. It didn't it didn't care what you think about it. Uh, no. And it it's a it's a challenging thing. But I, again, can't. Thank you enough for sharing your story and re and then once more reporting it accurately because it's what's necessary for the research. I think that's important. Well, we, we, my brother tried to replicate. I mean, when I went on TV and I never asked to go on TV, I was sourced through a UFO group and they said, come on, you know. And then, of course, they knew what they were doing. And I realized not all of them, <clears throat> excuse me, but one of them was a complete circus. And that then shocked me because I thought, well, being open and honest is what this is all about. But the media took it a di completely different uh, uh, way. And I realized at that point what we are up against. So I thought, you know what? Okay, I, that's fine. You carry on laughing and I'll deal with that. But at the end of the day, I'm now wanting to establish what happened, why it happened, and what these things are. So it's not so much as uh, the abduction that happened now, because I think I've grown past that point i've got past that point of acceptance uh, in terms of like this is a reality that occurred to me but on a different level of reality that people weren't talking about at that time um and they weren't and and especially with regards to the theoretical application in 1996 and the article called spirits in the material world with regards to the grace and their modus operandi you know and now we're finding this is all coming up which is great um but no it has changed me in a more uh, shall we say positive individual because I survived the journey. And I think when someone goes through a traumatic experience, 
um, it changes them on an individual level. So, but what's fascinating is we still don't know. And I think that's what really intrigues all of us because it's up to you as the individual to try to work it out yourself. And even if you can't work it out, it is there, it's a reality. Um, so it's multifaceted with all its forms and the way that it presents itself. You know, we are dealing with areas of creation of the mind, of the universe, of continuation of consciousness, which fascinates me entirely. So I am very grateful to a lot of understanding people that, um, you know, are on my level uh, as, as well. Awesome. Every, everything about this has been awesome. I, we're, we're probably going to go ahead and wrap this one up here, but... I really do appreciate uh, you coming on and waxing philosophical with me uh, and let me go down my little rabbit holes as well, because I think we, we definitely parallel a lot of our, on our thinking. And if not, if nothing else, we, we parallel a lot on our inquisitiveness on what we're, what we're searching for. Uh, I want to have you back on um, and please tell folks again uh, where they can find your book and um, a little bit uh, about your work. Yeah, I've, um, my, my book is published by Philip Mental's Flying Disc Press. It is available on Amazon. Um, I know that Amazon uh, USA had a problem saying currently unavailable. They're trying to sort that out, but you can get it on there. Um, and um, I've written also many other books, but the ones that are, because they're all out of print now when the publishers publish them, but you can get um, A Passage to Eternity, The Enigma of the Greys, UFOs, and sorry, in The Enigma of the Dead, UFOs and Aliens. And then my other book was called um, Guardians of the Dead. And this new one is You, the Public Deceived, the Grand Jury for Deception. So it incorporates the spiritual aspects of consciousness and also trying to apply different areas of research that combines into one. We could be dealing with one entity here, but it's multifaceted. We, we're still working on that hypothesis. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much, my friend. This was awesome. I really appreciate your time and we will definitely be doing this again. Okay. So, um, we'll, yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to go ahead and link uh, your book and everything in the show notes as well. Uh, and do you want to uh, post or talk about any social media or anything where people can message you and tell you how awesome you are and maybe share some experiences <laughs> with you as well? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't have a website at the moment. One that I had before was getting too expensive, so we are redesigning a new one. And they can get they can find me on Facebook or on you know YouTube or the the, the normal media outlets there. Um, but uh, as I said, you know, I am very grateful, and of course, I always worry because when I speak of the abduction. It's almost like you fall flat on your face because of the ridiculous nature of what happened. Um, but, you know, being a researcher and a so-called adoptee doesn't do you much in the way of favors because you're seeing things, you tend to see things in a biased way. But I've never done that. I've always been open and very objective and very understanding to the experiences that other people go through. There may have been one more abduction years later but I can't prove that because there were some things that were very odd that led up to that point, but I have no recall. And I will only report what I saw, what I felt, what I experienced. I will not add anything or subtract it in that manner. That's very important to anyone out there. Um, you know, be honest and truthful. You can't go wrong with that, literally. Well, I, I feel that you are an altruistic individual, and I, I think you're very sweet. I think you're very oh, wholesome and very nice guy, man. And this has just been a, an absolute honor and a pleasure, really. And Thank uh, you very much. Let's do it again soon. I think you're great. That, that will be an honor. Thank you very much indeed, Brandon. I'm very honored indeed. Thank you. Awesome. Absolutely, my friend. Well, thank you so much, and we'll, we'll do it again. Have a good evening, buddy. Thank you, and you as well. Thank you.
Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been an awesome episode. Philip Kinsella, special thanks. You guys check out his book, You, uh, The Public Deceived, The Grand UFO Deception. Uh, You can find him on the Facebook there. Uh, Also, the link to his book in Amazon will be uh, in the show notes there. So just scroll down there and click on that and go buy this thing. It's really cool. Like I said, great guy. Um, Really interesting about the etherical uh, kind of concept about the abduction phenomena and how uh, it could just be all your spirit that gets abducted and not physical you and you is left behind and they take you which does explain how uh, you can go through walls and windows and it kind of ticks the box on an explanation for that part of the phenomenon i thought that was really cool so uh thank you guys so much for listening of course you can find us on all the places uh you get podcasts uh, as well as uh, the instagram there at expanding reality podcast uh, facebook as well and then you can email and if you've got a story or you've got a question or anything like that at uh, expandingrealitypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, thank you all so much for listening again, and y'all uh, be good to each other. <laughs>